want to invite you to grab your Bibles with me this morning, if you will, or you can open that Bible app, grab a Bible in the pew rack in front of you. But join me, if you will, in John chapter 1, the Gospel of John and chapter 1. Today we are jumping into a new sermon series over the month of December called Christmas Lights. And what we're going to do is we're going to focus in on the first chapter of the Gospel of John. What we want to see is what John has to say about Jesus and how that impacts our lives today, particularly during the holiday season. I want to begin this morning by reading the first 18 verses of John chapter 1, and then we're going to come back and we'll talk a little bit about what we just read. So here's what John says, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 1 of his gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Now, to clarify, John's specifically talking about Jesus here. And he goes on to say in verse 4, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, John the Baptist. He, John, came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. They rejected him. Has anyone here this morning ever been rejected by someone? Well, so was Jesus. And even the very people that he came to save were people who rejected him. Verse 12, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen His glory, glory as to the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, This is He of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because He is before me. He was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, the the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. In other words, Jesus revealed God to us. Have you ever thought about how some questions are almost impossible to answer? Have you ever considered that before? For example, um, why is it that when anyone's driving slower than me on the Dan Ryan, they're an idiot, but anyone who's driving faster than me on on the Dan Ryan is a maniac? Has anybody uh, ever been able to answer that question? Or... Why is it that we press harder on remote controls when the batteries get weaker? Why is that? I mean, we, we, do we think that somehow by pressing harder on the button that that's going to make the battery stronger? Or why does a dog uh, get mad when 
you blow in his face, but as soon as he gets into the car, he sticks his head out the window to feel the breeze. I mean, can anyone answer that question for me? Or here's something that gets me. Why is it that they lock bathrooms at gas stations? I mean, are they afraid that somebody's going to come in and try to clean them? Why do they do that? There are some questions that are just really difficult to answer. Now, here's a question that all of us should be able to answer. In fact, you can see it on the sermon notes there. But the the question is this. What is the Christmas season really all about? What is the Christmas season really all about? I know that I said that you should, all of us should be able to answer that, but there are a lot of people in this world who are very unsure about what Christmas is about. In fact, there's a man who was quoted, this guy, his name was Dave Barry. We're going to put his quote up on the screen, but he said this, Once again, we come to the holiday season, a deeply religious time that each of us observes in his own way by going to the mall of his choice. Dave has no clue of what Christmas is all about. And then there's Carrie Fisher. Some of you might remember her for playing uh, Princess Leia in the Star Wars movies for years. But she said this, I don't think Christmas is necessarily about things. It's about being good to one another. It's about the, the Christian ethic. It's about kindness. Now, I know that a lot of us are very happy about kindness during the Christmas season. But Christmas is about a lot more than just that. Maybe one of the better descriptions that I've heard came from a pastor that I was listening to recently. And he said this, we consider Christmas as the encounter, the great encounter, the historic encounter, the decisive encounter between God and mankind. Let me just tell you my perspective of what the Christmas season is all about. The Christmas season celebrates the birth of Jesus as well as the great benefits of Jesus coming into the world. In fact, the passage that we just read, the Apostle Paul, or Apostle John rather, would say it like this in verse 14. He says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as to the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so Christmas is about the coming of Jesus to our world and the benefits we receive from his coming into the world and into our lives. Now, throughout the month of December, we're going to be learning about these benefits together as we study through the first chapter of John's gospel. It's kind of ironic that John is one of the few gospel writers that doesn't really talk about the elements of the birth of Jesus Christ, like Matthew does or like Luke does. But here's why, because John is trying to explain the significance of the birth of Christ to us, to an audience that is already familiar with the events of Christ's birth. We have a picture of the nativity scene that we'll put on the screen, but... Most of us are familiar with a lot of the facts surrounding the Christmas story. That an angel spoke to Mary, an angel spoke to Joseph, the man who she was engaged to marry. That Mary, a virgin, gave birth to a child, not in a town, or in the town of Bethlehem, right? That 
this didn't happen in a hotel. It did, he, he was laid in a manger. The shepherds come and celebrate the birth of Christ. The angels appear at the celebration of the birth of Christ. We know that this Jesus died for the sins of mankind and overcame the grave. But what's almost what's often lost on many Christians during the season is the significance of the birth of Jesus Christ. We get distracted by all the shopping. We get distracted by the parties and all of these things that are happening. We get distracted by all the family events, the holiday movies, and all of the lights. For many, the Christmas season is so full of busyness and stress and distraction that it's so easy to forget about the reason for the season. But in the verses that we read here, John the Apostle tells us about the significance of Christmas and what it's all about. There are five words that I want to give you here this morning, five words that I hope will help you to remember what Christmas is really all about. First of all, the Bible tells us, John tells us, that Jesus came into the world to bring us illumination, to bring us from darkness into light in our lives. Now, you pretty much have to live under a rock not to realize the whole role that light plays in Christmas traditions all around us. Uh, People light up their homes. They light up their trees. Basically, if you have an extension cord and uh, some staples and uh, electrical tape, you can light up pretty much anything that you want to, right? One of the more unusual lighting traditions at Christmas time is something that takes place in South Louisiana. It's these annual uh, Christmas Eve bonfires that take place along the Mississippi River at these little villages between Baton Rouge and uh, New Orleans. And we have a picture of these so that you can kind of picture what this is like. But if you were to ask the children from these areas why they have these bonfires, what's the purpose of these bonfires, they'll say that it is to light the way for Papa Noel to bring presents to people in the world. Well, that's a cute story, but it's actually not far off from what John's trying to tell us right here in the Bible. In fact, John would say in verse 4, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The life was the light of men. Now, John had a reason for talking about light, because he used darkness and light to contrast the ways of God and the ways of the world. To John... Like these bonfires that would light the way for Papa Noel, Jesus came as a light in the midst of the darkness. He came as a light to lead us out of darkness. Anybody besides me ever lived in darkness in your life? If you've ever embarrassed yourself at a Christmas party, you were living in darkness. If you've ever been angry and bitter and you could not forgive somebody... You have been living in darkness. If you've ever damaged your relationships because of bad habits or dysfunctions or addictions, you were living in darkness. If you've found yourself believing that life is not worth living and that there's no real meaning and purpose in life, well, you were living in darkness. John would say later on that Jesus came to be the light that drives away the darkness. In fact, in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5, He says this, 
This is the message we have heard from Jesus and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now, how many of you know that there is real trouble in the darkness? You know, I think of the man one time who went up, he knocked on the door of a house. He knocked on this door and the door swung open. It's the middle of the night and so he looks around and the house is dark and he can't see anything and so he decides that he's going to walk inside. Well, as he walks inside in this dark house, all of a sudden he hears this voice in the darkness and it says, Jesus is watching you. Jesus is watching you. He froze for a moment, stopped and looked around, but he couldn't see anything because of all the darkness. So he took a few more steps inside. Again, the voice came, Jesus is watching you. Jesus is watching you. He froze again and he just waited for something to happen, but nothing happened. Finally, he felt around along the wall and flipped this light switch and the light came on. And when it did, he noticed that there was this big parrot that was sitting in a cage in the corner. He realized that it was the parrot that had been speaking him and telling him that Jesus is watching you. And so he says to the parrot, hey, parrot, what's your name? And the parrot says, my name is Moses. The guy says, who'd be dumb enough to name their parrot Moses? And the parrot says, well, the same guy who was dumb enough to name his Rottweiler Jesus. <laughs> now, listen. When you are fumbling around in the darkness, it can lead to a lot of trouble in your life. But here's what I want you to know. The real Jesus is watching you. The real Jesus came for you. The real Jesus is able to deliver you from the real darkness in your life and the darkness in your world. That's what John's talking about in our text. He's talking about how the real Jesus came for illumination. To bring us from darkness into light. Well, here's the second thing that Jesus says, or that John says. He says that Jesus also came to bring restoration, to bring us from death to life. You go back to John chapter 1 and verses 4 and 5, and it says this In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, all of us at one time have had, uh, have lived in darkness in our lives. And, and do you know what darkness leads to? Well, it leads to spiritual death in a person's life. We experience spiritual death in the form of emotions and attitudes like fear and lust and worry and bitterness and malice. We experience spiritual death in the form of habits that defy common sense and better judgment in our lives. We experience spiritual death when we have hopelessness and helplessness in our lives. We experience spiritual death in the form of relationships that exist to gratify our own pleasures. But... I want you to look at verse 5 again. It says that Jesus came to bring light to everyone. That the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never stop that light. That the darkness can never put the light out. In fact, the, that last phrase, the darkness has not overcome it. It's kind of a unique phrase in the scriptures. But it, it can also be translated as the darkness has not extinguished it or the darkness has not understood it. 
And what John is trying to say is that a lot of people have understood that Jesus came to bring light to their lives, but they haven't allowed the darkness to be extinguished from their lives. Uh, but, but when you make Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life, he brings you from darkness into light. He brings you from death into life. And in fact, Jesus is the only one who has the power to turn death into life. The Apostle Paul, he would say it this way. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, this Christmas, you may be dealing with some situations that feel lifeless to you. You may be feeling hopeless about the circumstances of your life or about your finances, or about some relationships in your life, or about some dreams that you've had for yourself. But, what, but John wants us to know that the same Jesus who brought light into our world can also bring life to the very dead situations in your life. Jesus came into our world to bring illumination into our lives. He came to bring restoration into our lives. But the third thing John says that Jesus came into the world to bring us association, to bring us from isolation to family in our lives. Look at what he says there in verses 10 through 12. He says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become Children of God, which is great news that Jesus brought us from isolation to family. Now, Christmas time is a season when many people feel isolated and all alone in their lives. The holidays are a time when many people think about family. And a lot of people, and for a lot of people, that's a good thing when you think about all these warm uh, thoughts and memories. But for others, it's very troubling. Christmas can be a troubling time for those who are missing loved ones or who are dealing with the dysfunction of those who are related to them or it can be a time of focusing on relational breakdowns and failures. And so if you come from a great family that's really close with each other, the holidays can really be a great time that you're looking forward to. But if you don't come from a family like that, you're probably not looking forward to Christmas this year. In fact, You might even wish that you could just skip Christmas or that you could cancel Christmas this year. Heard of a a domestic dispute where a mother had actually shot her son for walking on the floor that she had just mopped. So she took out a gun and she actually pointed it at her son and shot him. So the police, they get called, they show up on the scene the sergeant, he calls the officers who are there, and he asks if they, if they had arrested this woman uh, who had shot her son. And the officers say, no, sir, we haven't. And the sergeant says, well, why not? The officers say, well, um, we're waiting for the floor to dry before we go in the house. You, you, might, you may think that that story is a bit funny. But if something like that happened in your family, I don't think you'd be looking forward to getting together and celebrating the holidays. Listen, whether you have a caring family, a crazy family, or no family, we can uh, rejoice because God has adopted us into his family. 
Bible says in Romans 8 and verse 15, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. You see, you have, you've had a rocky relationship with your parents, but um, now you have a heavenly father who is always caring, always understanding, always kind, always gracious, always forgiving. You may wrestle with the loss of a loved one, and you may not... You may realize that you're probably not going to see them again uh, on this side of heaven. But God has given you a spiritual family to come alongside you and to encourage you. There are some people in this world who experience the rejection of family. But what an amazing truth it is that God has blessed you with a great spiritual family. Don't you know that, and don't you know, uh, I, I, don't, I don't have any clue what your family might be like or what your family might think of you. I don't know what other people might think of you. But if you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord, a part, you are a part of the family of God. And He loves you and He adores you. He cherishes you. In fact, He's taken you from isolation to family. Here's the fourth word. Jesus came into the world to bring jubilation, to bring, uh, bring you from emptiness into abundance. How many of you remember what life was like before you came to faith in Jesus Christ and he changed you? You can look back on the times before you came to faith in Christ and you, you thought that you were having fun, but uh, you were downright miserable. You, you were uh, like that little boy who prayed and said, Lord, Make me a better boy. But if you can't do that, don't worry about it because I'm having a good time just like I am. When you're living in darkness, it takes a long time to recognize the spiritual death and the spiritual hurt that goes along with it. It takes a long time to recognize the absence of significant relationships and unconditional love. It takes a long time to notice the emptiness welling up in your heart and soul. But the scriptures say that no matter how much fun and excitement you may have had before you came to faith in Jesus Christ, you still haven't experienced real life yet. In fact, this is what John would say in John 1 verse 16. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. I want you to think about all the blessings that you've experienced in your life from the Lord. He's blessed you with forgiveness and we all needed a lot of forgiveness in our lives. He's freed you from many struggles and strongholds. He's provided for you. He's protected you. He's cared for you. He's helped you. He's been there for you. He's consoled you. He's comforted you. He's changed you. He's challenged you. Friends, I realize that the Christmas season can be difficult and stressful in many ways, but Jesus says, I have come to bring a life, life more abundantly. One of the classic Christmas songs that we sing each year is the song, Joy to the World. In fact, we, we sang a version of that song earlier today. But do you remember the words? Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. 
and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing. And Jesus says, I've come so that you might experience joy, uh, more joy than you've ever experienced in your life. He came for jubilation to bring you from emptiness into abundance. And then Jesus came into our world to bring us salvation, to bring us from lost to found. Has anyone here ever been lost in your life before? Maybe you were in a car and you were driving somewhere and you didn't know where you were. I know that there are no men who are raising their hands right now because we just don't admit that, right? And we're not going to admit that this morning. But how many of us have, have been spiritually lost, far away from God, needing someone to bail us out in life? We were all there. We've all been there. One time there was a mother who invited a family over to their house for dinner. And it was time for the blessing. She wasn't quite sure what to say. And so she said to her daughter, hey, honey, why don't you pray and ask God to to bless the food that we're about to eat? Well, the little girl got nervous and she says, well, I don't know what to say. And the mother says, well, why don't you say what you hear me say when I ask the blessing? And so the little girl bows her head and she says, Lord, why did we invite these people over to dinner? (laughs) We've all needed to be bailed out of some awkward and troubling situations at, at times in our lives. But there is no situation more awkward or more troubling than the sinfulness of our lives and how we used to live before we came to faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says this in uh, John 1.13, that when you came to Christ, you were reborn, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. You see, to John, the incarnation of Jesus Christ was inseparable from the purpose that Jesus came to fulfill. And Jesus came to fulfill our greatest need. Love these words that I read on a plaque years ago, and they've kind of stuck with me. They're a great reminder. But here's what it said. If your greatest need had been for more information, God would have sent you an educator. If if our greatest need would have been for technology, God would have sent us a, a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent an economist If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was for forgiveness and a right relationship with God. And so God sent us a Savior. Jesus Christ came to meet our greatest need. Our greatest need was for a Savior to come. Let me tell you, your greatest need these days is not to get your holiday shopping done. Your greatest need is to have a right relationship with Jesus Christ. Your greatest need is not to have some time off and to be refreshed. Your greatest need is to make sure that you are in a right relationship with Jesus. Your greatest need is not to have your voice heard by the politicians of the world. Your greatest need is to be in a right relationship with Jesus Christ as the Savior and Lord of your life. Now... As we've been talking here this morning, I know that many of you are very thankful for what Jesus has done in your life. But if you really appreciate who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for you, then you're going to tell somebody else about what Jesus has done for you this Christmas season, right? You'll want everybody else to experience this salvation too. 
And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab that bulletin, or maybe there, maybe you don't have a bulletin with you right now, but there's pew, uh, in the pew rack in front of you, there's uh, little pieces of paper, uh, connection cards there. Maybe you grab one of those. And, and I just want you to turn it over and write, write down uh, the names of a few people that you know need to experience salvation, the Lord's salvation in their lives. It could be friends. I mean, how many of you have friends who really need the Lord in their lives? Or maybe it's a relative. I mean, how many of us have relatives who desperately need the power of the living God in their lives? Could be a coworker. Um, you know, you work with a lot of carnal, cranky, crazy coworkers, and they need the Lord. Maybe what comes to your mind is one of your neighbors, that they need the Lord in their lives. I want you to just write those names down. I want you to start praying for them. And I want you to invite them to the Christmas services that are taking place over the next couple of weeks. And and wouldn't it be great to see people come and to hear about this Jesus and to experience the life transformation that you have, his forgiveness and his freedom and his fulfillment and a future in heaven for the rest of their lives. And so this Christmas, we need to celebrate who Jesus is to us. And I think that Jesus wants us, wants to bring transformation to all of us. This Christmas, he wants to bring us illumination from darkness into light. He wants to bring us restoration from death to life. He wants to bring us association from isolation to family. He wants to bring us jubilation from emptiness to abundance. He wants to bring us salvation from being lost to being found. And he wants us to help other people be found as well and to experience the forgiveness of God, the freedom of God, the fullness of God and a future in heaven for the rest of their lives. Here's what it says in John chapter 1, verses 10 through 12 again. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came, into, came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That is what Christmas is really all about. By now, I imagine that most of you have had some time to put up some Christmas decorations around your house. So you pull out the boxes and you pull out the lights and you start setting up the manger scenes and the nutcrackers, the snowmen and the candles. You know, around our house, we did that about a couple of weeks ago now, but I brought some extra light bulbs on a string here with me this morning. So if there's some of you, maybe there's someone here this morning who needs some extras, well, you can borrow these. But, you know, what you do, you, you go and the, the first time you get these lights, you uh, go and you plug them in, right? And, and you want to make sure that they're working. Because the reality is, is that if you go and you start putting them all around the tree, or maybe you uh, go and you get up on top of your roof and you hang them all, and then, and then you go and try to plug them in, I mean, how frustrating is that when they don't work? I mean, um, how many of you like the Christmas lights during the Christmas season. Some of you like Christmas lights on your own house. Some of you like them on other people's homes. But, you know, if, if the Christmas lights get turned out, you know, they're, they're not all that pretty when that happens, right? I mean, they don't really light up. They don't really show off anything. 
I mean, this is how a lot of Christians are, though, in their lives. They're not very lit up for the Lord. They're not on fire for the Lord. They're kind of just living these dull lives. And, and, and here's the reason. It's because they're not plugged into the power source. You see, when you start getting plugged into the power source, all of a sudden the light comes on and the, the light is shining and it, it looks a whole lot better, right? So when, when, there, when you're able to see the light of the Lord in our, in our lives, when other people are able to see the light of the Lord in our lives, we can start telling them uh, about the good news that, that we have received the Lord in our own lives. And we can tell them that, guess what? Jesus has brought illumination to my life. And Jesus has brought restoration to my life. Jesus has brought association into my life. I- I'm a part of a, a, a huge family at St. Paul's Bible Church. Jesus has brought jubilation and, and salvation into my life. And those things become attractive to the watching world around us. But, but first, we have got to get lit up with the power of God in our lives. Just kind of put these around up here. You know, there was a, a church at one time that uh, dur- during the, the Christmas season, they had a, um, a Christmas Eve service, something like what we do for Christmas Eve services around here. Usually, I'll light a candle uh, at the end of the service, and and then I'll take it to somebody, and I'll light their candle, and and they'll pass it uh, on to somebody else, and it just gets passed around the room like that until everybody in the room has their candles lit. Well, this pastor had a candle, and he lights somebody else's candle, and they light, and it starts getting passed around the room, and he says, you know what? I want everybody to go get lit. (laughs) Now, that means something a little bit different to some people here in Chicago, but here's what I want to say. Let's everybody go get lit for the Lord Jesus Christ this Christmas season. That we might reach our family and our friends, our coworkers and classmates and neighbors with the message and the ministry of Jesus Christ. We, we can tell them that Jesus brought illumination to our lives, restoration and association, uh, jubilation and, uh, and salvation. We, they, they can see that we are lit up with the power of the living God in our lives and by God's grace, they can experience that exact same thing in their own lives as well. Let's pray.